Hey, let's stand to in reverence to the reading of God's Word. You may be asking, why would you stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word if I'm ever in church and we don't stand up and uh, when we read God's Word, should I yell out heretic or something like that? Um, you could. That'd be kind of fun, right? But um, it's not like something that is commanded, but as much as we see, like when Ezra read the law, the people stood up in reverence. And so... Um, sometimes it's a called for thing because it's a sign of reverence. Uh, God's word is holy. It's something that we are to hold ultimate reverence and respect for. It is different. It is holy. It is other. This is why um, it is worth putting away all distractions of giving full focus. That's why it's worth getting to bed early on earlier and on a Saturday night so that you can be refreshed and ready. Um, that's why it's, it's worth giving our focus to. That's why it's worth coming. Amen. So we have verse, we're in, for, do you, would you like to know where to go? Or do you already know where to go? <laughs> Second Corinthians. For those of you who are guests, we are in the series of Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be in chapter 4 verse 13 through chapter 5 verse 8. <clears throat> This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 13. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Although our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is working out for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that in the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, and so much as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight, we are of good courage and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Can we go to him? Would you let us capture what you intended for the original audience to understand and make that giant leap of, of a couple millennia later of how does this apply so that God's people could glorify you, love you, be on mission, make disciples to the glory of God. Would you clear our minds? Would you clear the clutter? Would you renew us with energy? Would you let this do a transformation bay Today, what has God's word done that has brought a change to our life? Let this happen today. We lose heart really easy. But you've built in something right here. 
as you built in the last couple weeks in this text about how not to lose heart. So help us capture that for your glory. And also, I don't want to just name, I know we'll pray for each other later over our meal, but um, just want to pray for Jack this morning. He um, is sick under the weather, not feeling good. We've got some others that you'd have your hand on them. Um, so God, would you let us pray for them and, and be ever so thinking about them and seek ways to bless them even in our own life. So God, would you do that? Now bless this time of your word and God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Okay, so I have, um, by the way, this is not every week, so I'm, 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 I'm not like, I guess, Gallagher or Carrot Top or something. I always have some kind of uh, visual for you or whatever. Um, if you don't know who those people are, good for you, right? So I have two different things right here. Does anybody know what this is? The sheet of paper, right? Now, does anybody know what this is? Okay, all right. Now, I've got a paper and a ream of paper. This is one sheet. Does anybody know how many sheets are in a ream? Man, y'all knew that? Man, I didn't even know that. Although it says it right here. Okay, so let's, let's just kind of test this out. All right. Oh, we have the front row Baptist that got picked on last week. But y'all got rich. These guys didn't even know what to do with all that treasure. There was so much treasure being poured out. Y'all didn't even know what to do. Let's go to the next level here, right? The second row Baptist, right? Second row Baptist is good, right? I mean, if there's already a first, you've got to get a second, right? Okay. Now, Kim, well, let me pick on Kim first. Kim, will you stand up for us real quick here? Now, Kim, here's a sheet of paper, right? You, you might want to put your Bible down. I just want you to be... I, you might need it, all right? Okay. Here's a sheet of paper. How intimidated are you right now if I just kind of take this and hold your hand out and drop it? Ooh! Did you almost drop that? Almost, right? That was that kind of intimidating, wasn't it? Right? Okay, what if I did this? What if I took this and just said, all right, catch. You ready? Did that scare you at all? Not a little bit of fear? Okay. Now, put your hand out. Now, what if I said, by the way, she's very strong, by the way. I should have picked someone who doesn't work out, right? Give me somebody who's been on the couch all week, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Beth, you've got, you got bad, a bad shoulder, right? We should have, oh, we should have went after Beth on this one. Why, Lord, why? <laughs> okay. Now, you're not intimidated. Most of these people would. But if I'm over here and I said, was that a little bit more than the, the sheet of paper for you? Yes, okay, thank you. You can sit down, Kim. That was a bad illustration. I picked the wrong person. Yeah, this is true. Okay, so, although Kim, Kim is not the one, because if you see it like family meal, she'll be eating her 20 grams of protein, right? So that, that clues you off that she's been doing some muscle work. But if we would have went to Beth over here, right, who we're praying that she could have a shoulder surgery here upcoming, this may be a whole different thing. Now, Beth, with your shoulder, right, Okay, it's the other one. No, 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 it's the hip. That's right. It's all, it's all good. But this, this, wouldn't, this wouldn't intimidate you, though, would it? Right? But if I took this and would have just thrown it at you, would have intimidated you. Right? It, it, now, why is one more intimidating than the other? Right? Like if I'm here with Jason, I just drop this. He's not. But if I'm like this, 
it's probably going to be a little bit more intimidating, right? Now, why would that? Why, are, why is there a difference between the two? They're the same substance somewhat, right? I mean, you've got paper on both, right? Why is one more intimidating than the other? Because what? Because of weight. The weight of one has more and bigger consequence than the other. Now, this one is not bad. Nothing wrong with this one. Actually, you can do a lot with a piece of paper. You can write things. You can send love letters. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're wondering if your spouse still likes you, you can always take a sheet of paper and say, do you like me? Circle yes or no. It worked a long time ago. It may still work today. But really, we feared this more because of the weightiness. Or if I were to make this into an airplane, and let's just go to the very back. I, I see my daughter back there on the back. If I were to make this into an airplane and just sail it at her, that wouldn't be intimidating. But if I took this and said, Arabella, catch, and just threw it up. By the way, how awesome would that be, right? Would that be so, so cool? Y'all remember the day, and then you would start sitting on the very outside edges, <laughs> never in any sphere here in the middle? Why is that? Well, it's because of the weight. Now, when we come to our text today, there's a reason behind all this. I just, just didn't want to play with paper or throw things at you, right? Here's our text today, this idea that we go through it. We often don't understand where the greater weight and life is. Thus, we lose heart really easy, right? The message today's title is Losing Heart, Part 3. We've been talking about this the last two weeks. Different ways you lose heart. And today's unique perspective is we lose heart when we don't really realize what is most weighty. Now, here's what I mean. The sheet of paper. This has not near as much weight as this ream of paper. But the way we act most times in life, we actually think the paper is more weighty. And here's what I mean. We focus so much on the external. We focus so much on health. Now, should we try to take care of our health? Yes and amen, right? Amen? Yeah, we should. All right. So health is great, but you can eat all the leafy green spinach you want, but are you going to die someday? Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean we just throw it off, cast it off. I mean, Paul said bodily exercise profits little. doesn't mean it doesn't profit at all, right? So eating, eating, uh, eating something, eating healthy and keeping to a healthy, to a healthy weight so that you can better glorify God, right? I'm convicting myself as I talk about this, right? This is not a bad thing. You can do a lot with a sheet of paper, right? You can write things. You can do things. You can send messages. You can even make paper airplanes, right? You can entertain your kid with a paper airplane. You can do a lot with this sheet of paper, but we tend to put a lot of weight on this and think it has more weight than it does. Sometimes it's not only the external of health, it's the external of resources and possession. We'll put so much weight on that. We'll think that this, this will really ultimately do things for me. We, we put so much weight, so much glory on something that doesn't have near the weight of something else. There are other things. You know, if you're married, um, by the way, just so we all know, marriage is hard. It is hard. Don't say amen to that, right? That might get you in trouble. That might get you an elbow, but marriage is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Said the preacher's wife. She's a truth teller. Marriage is hard. You know, most people even look at marriage, they put so much weight on it. They put a weight on it that it can't possibly bear, thinking 
that my life can only be good if I have this kind of white picket fence and that he is meeting all my needs and she is meeting all my needs. We put weight on things that, I mean, it's good to have a Christ-glorifying marriage. In fact, a marriage is meant to show forth the glory of the gospel. But sometimes we put so much weight on it, we give it so much glory. Glory in a way it's not meant to have. There's so many things externally. We do it with our careers. We do it with friendships. We do it with this idea of having a, a list, a to-do list for the day and finding this satisfaction of I've crossed off everything on my to-do list. We, those aren't bad things. But sometimes that, that's what th- those things are. It's this. And we treat it as if it has a lot more weight than it really has. And what you'll see from the text today is this. When we don't put, the, we don't realize what the true weightiness is, where the true glory is, we'll never be ready for glory someday. And the people who lose heart, get this, who lose heart, are the people who've taken the sheet of paper of the externals in life and have said, that's everything. That's what, that, this is the most important. I've, I've got to have health. I've got to have my kids act a certain way. I've got to have this certain place in life. I've got to have this certain kind of respect from others. I've, I've got to have all these things externally. I've got to have this certain kind of external pleasure. I've got to have these, these externals. And we put so much on it. And the text, instead what he says is this. What is internal has the weight. What is internal is what has the glory. What is internal is the biggest emphasis. And have you ever noticed in our life, most of what we emphasize is not the internal, it's the external. Almost most of our focus, for instance, let's say like you see in 1 Peter 3 where it talks about like a godly woman, she, it, she focuses more on the internal than the external. Like as a woman, how much, how much do you focus on the external compared to what God is doing on the internal, right? That, oh, by the way, I'm not up here going like, are you saying I can't wear makeup? No, no, we're not, we're not saying that. We, we, we believe in product in my house, right? We have lots of product, and there's never enough counter space for product. <laughs> Amen? I am convinced you could have, there's no way you could ever have enough counter space for the product that is needed, right? But I digress. <laughs> but here's what we do so much we are putting weight and glory in places that, that can't ever satisfy and it hasn't worked for us yet we keep thinking but, but how, when's the last time we really said wait a minute if Christ is in me the hope of glory if he has saved me and he is transforming me from the inside out if my mind is on things of Christ, things above. If there is an internal changing, if I'm not the same person, I'm setting myself apart from God, uh, from sin unto God. This is what we call sanctification. When that is happening, that holds the bigger weight. That is more precious. That is the person that can truly enjoy this life and more than enjoy it. That is the person that doesn't lose heart. Who is the person that loses heart? The person who forgets that the, the importance of the internal transformation and the person that can't recognize the value of what God's trying to do. So, I mean, just understand this. 
The very health that may be failing you, I mean, sometimes health fails as a result directly of our sin. Sometimes health fails as a result of this is just the process of life that's going to happen. I mean, read Ecclesiastes. It's not, we're, not gonna, we're not just going to get stronger as the days go on. That doesn't mean throw up our hands, but the people who can absorb the impact of that are the people who have the right focus on the internal. If the internal is growing stronger in the Lord, that has a heavier weight, and that person is absorbed from losing heart. Have we lost heart today? Have we lost heart? Well, then my my question would be this. Are we more focused on the externals than what God is doing internally through even those difficulties? Did you know that even the difficulties, God means to use it as a piece of transformation to mold us and conform us to the image of Christ? Are we aware of that? Now, let me show this to you, the text, and we'll come back to our illustration, right? The weight of glory. We come to the text here. Once again, I want to point off a couple things, and if you've been here, you kind of see this, and you see it in the text. Look at chapter 3, verse 18. I want to just remind you that this whole section has this idea of not losing heart, and we've talked about some other reasons that people lose heart and how not to lose heart. Remember, we've said in the past, Paul knew the what. He knew who he was in Christ. He knew what he had in Christ. So he says in chapter 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So we see this transformation that happens from the inside out. Right? We see that this is a reason. Paul knows what he has in Christ. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. So Paul said, I don't, we don't lose heart. Now, in the direct context, he was defending his ministry against all the false accusations of the, of the, of the, especially the false teachers in the Corinth church. But we have this overarching principle that he's not losing heart because he knows what he has in Christ. God is transforming him. Every difficulty that Paul has, God is using the weight of that, of what's happening to transform him on the inside and he knows it. And I'll tell you this, and because he knows that, he is ready for future glory. You ever had people go, oh, I'm so ready for heaven, and you're thinking, man, I don't think that way. Well, I'll tell you why. You, you, you can't be ready for glory and think that glory is a good thing if the weightiness of life is the piece of paper of the external and not the weightiness of what God's doing internally. When you value and know the weight of the internal transformation, it helps you to look forward to the day of glory. But sometimes we can't even see that because we're so focused on the on this lightweight external. Now remember, I'm not saying the, just cast off the external. I'm saying it doesn't have the same value, and we've kind of placed more value on it. Keep looking at the text. We said, look down at chapter 4, verse 6. We said last week, For God who said, let lines shout out of darkness, is the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So we see other reasons why he doesn't lose heart. We see that there's salvation we see in chapter 3, verse 18, ideas of sanctification. We saw last week that if you look at chapter, verse, chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We talked about, about the treasure of Christ in you. These are reasons he doesn't lose heart. But now we're going to bump down to our text a little bit more and see another reason we don't lose heart. Now check out verse 13, 14, and 15. It's almost as if he kind of gives a little bit of a precursor to his discussion, a warm-up, an appetizer, if you will. He says in verse 13... But having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit that the Corinthians have, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. He's 
quoting from Psalm 116.10, a psalm that, that declares a trust in God even in the midst of difficulty. We also believe, therefore, we also speak. So he's saying, you think all this outward struggle and difficulty that's happened to me means that God's forsaken me and cast me off. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, um, I believe. I believe that God has a purpose for all these things. In fact, let me tell you, even the difficulties you face, but what I'm facing, because their view was that bad things happen on the outside, therefore God must not like the ministry you had to us, Paul. And Paul's saying, no, actually, the bad things on the outside have made me more weak, so that in the end I could trust and rely on his strength. And actually, this gives more commendation to my ministry. By the way, when you, get, when you and I get in positions of weakness, even externally, that's a great time to refocus ourselves on where the true weightiness of life is. It's what God is doing internally to transform us. So he says this, verse 14, Knowing that who who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. So he says, this is kind of warm up, he says, Jesus, who raised from the dead, will one day raise us. Meaning, not only will the internal be completed, but the external will we receive glorified bodies, we will be with the Lord, future glory, all things will be as they are, no more sin or sickness or disease, all things will be as they should be, right? And he says, we're together on this. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. He's saying, we're together on this. We have the same spirit of faith. We're going to be presented together. We're going to be in glory, Corinthian church. By the way, if you ever think, man, I'm, I'm too sinful for God to ever do anything with me. Please go read 1 Corinthians, right? And see what God actually can do with the people. For him to say this kind of statement is really big when you consider what was said in 1 Corinthians. Now look in verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, he says, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. We're just in the warm-up phase for not losing heart. I want you to notice, he says in verse 15, this idea of the troubles I've gone through, the external difficulties have caught, have have brought me a greater awareness of the, glorifi- the, the resurrection someday and getting to that place of glorification. That's what he's focusing on. He says, and, and what's happened as a result of all this, God's word has been spread. More people have come to Christ. I've not lose heart. I've continued to preach. Even though you've come against me, I continue to go forward. But not only is this helpful for, for even myself, but for your sakes it's helpful. In verse 15, more and more people have come to, to Christ More and more people, and a giving of thanks has happened to the glory of God. There's more people that are thankful for now that they have Christ, and God is more glorified. By the way, I do see a side application here. The people that seem to value the external so much and put so much weight on it, they are the most unthankful people. Let me say this to The people who value most and supremely the external are the most unthankful people. You want to meet someone who's thankful? It's a person that sees and values the internal. It's the person who can see the holiness of God and the wretchedness of their sin and then can each day come freshly before the cross thanking God. The person who just focuses on the external, they're out there pointing out everybody's sin first without pointing the bigger finger at themselves. When When the internal has the weightiness, it changes everything outwardly even unto glory. Now keep looking at this. Now he gets into the the meat of the matter. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
We do not lose heart. God, there is a resurrection day coming. God will make all things as they should be. I am looking forward to that day. But here's the, the, I want you to get this understanding. We will never look forward to that future day of resurrection, think it's a great thing, look forward to it, if there's not already something internally happening right now. Paul's able to say, I don't lose heart, first, because he knows that there's a renewal and transformation that's going on in the inside, and that's helping to prepare him for future glory. Most of, most of Christianity can't get the, 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 the vision of future glory because there's no value for what God is doing on the internal. There's no renewal. The person has something, another bad thing happened in their health, and they think to themselves, why has this happened, God? I can't believe, I'm, I'm, I'm so shocked that something negative has happened to my health. And the person who's actually magnifying the internal work of God, that doesn't mean that they negate the bad, but they were able to look at the bad with the right perspective, with the right filter. They are able to look at the bad and go, man, this is not a good situation. But once again, thank you, Lord, that, and I'm just going to use myself because I had this plantar's fasciitis. Any of y'all ever had plantar's fasciitis? You ever had that before? Man, what a thorn in the flesh, right? Here's one thing I've noticed about growing older. I know, I can't say you're growing older, Nick. I get it, right? But I feel it. I feel it. It's in your feet. No one told me that as you mature through life, one of your biggest problems may be your feet. Can I get an amen from somebody that understands this thing? <laughs> but here's what, like when that was going on, one of, the, one of the things was like, okay, Lord, every time I take a step, it's a reminder of some pain. And then I started to ask the Lord, can this be a reminder of glory? Can every step remind me that there'll be a day when I can walk barefooted on the streets of gold? Because right now, I guarantee you, I will not walk barefooted on any hard substance, right? I'm going to get the most spongiest slipper in the house I can. Hey, those of you that have been there know it, amen? Y'all know it. So here's what happens. There's this internal thing that happens, the weightiness of it. In verse 16, he says this, we do not lose heart. Corinthian church, he's saying all these external things that have happened, you've, you've, been, you've tricked yourself into thinking that this invalidates my ministry, but it hasn't, and therefore, we don't lose heart, though our outer man is decaying. Paul says, our outer man is decaying. If you look, we've read it several weeks before, the different sufferings he's been through. If there's ever a guy who aged drastically, it was this guy. Look at a guy that becomes president, then look at him eight years later. Have you ever seen a picture of that? Man, that makes you not want to be president. This is Paul, weary and worn down. Has there ever been somebody physically who was probably worn down? It was Paul. And Paul says... I don't lose heart. My outer man is decaying. Yet our inner man is being what? Renewed day by day. So he says, my outer man. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, just go back to chapter 11 and read all this stuff. He, became, he was on the precipice of death I don't know how many times. And Paul is able to go, I'm decaying, and this is bad. But I'm not losing heart because I know the weight, the glory of what God is doing through that, trans through that process. He is renewing me day by day. I'm, I've, I've got less hanging in earth. I've got more hanging in glory. God is using this. Can I give you some biblical hope? Here it is. All the things happening to us externally 
In Christ, God is using that to transform us. Don't waste the pain, please. Don't waste it. Don't think like a pagan. Why, is God, why are we as God's people acting like pagans? Now listen, if you're here without Christ, he's not your Lord and King, and something bad happens to you, and, and you feel like life is falling apart, then I will tell you this, friend, you have no other option than to think that. That's it. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you should think bad. If you're not in Christ and your health starts to go, bad situations happen, friend, I have no reason to give you any hope here today. But if you're in Christ, I actually do. I can tell you that there's a process that God's using in that difficulty. But if you don't understand the glory of the weight of the inward transformation day by, what does it say at the end of it? Day by day. Some people go like, okay, Nick, how long is it going to take me to transform into Christ's image? Can it happen today before the end of our family meal? I wish, but it's not going to happen. It's going to happen day by what? A growth in Christ to getting this where, oh, the weight of what God's doing on the renewing of the heart, the transformation, this is a day-by-day thing. You don't think this has glory just one time, right? It takes multiple times, multiple times, right? Okay, we got, J- uh, we got Jason right here. Jason, put your Bible aside here, all right? Are you ready? It's a pretty big weight, right? Now, Jason, he's completely sanctified now. One time... He kind of put the weight of glory on the inside. Woo, I'm good, right? No, what is it like? I'm not going to let you throw it back to me because I'll probably drop it and embarrass myself, right? <laughs> Daily. This isn't a one-time thing. This is why the Word of God must gather dust. The Word of God must, we must be so pouring over the pages that the pages start to tear, that it, the Bible looks tattered. I'm telling you, we're not doing this because our souls are not focused on him. Binging through your Netflix account, binging through social media, none of that's going to solve anything. Uh, this, this fixation on the money that you have in the bank or looking at the stock market, whatever, it's not going to give you what this will give you. We miss it because this renewal day by day. Now, look at verse 17. I noticed this. Notice this. For our momentary light affliction. Now, I have not been on the edge of death, but if you read chapter 11, he's been on the edge of death many a times. And he calls that our momentary light of affliction. Basically, he's saying that the, the, the time that I almost lost my life multiple times, he's calling that basically a tiny storm in a teacup, right? That's what he's saying. It's not that big of a deal. And you were saying, well, wait a minute, are you trying to say bad things in life? The outward, external, that that's, that means nothing. Not saying that. What I'm saying is, if we have the weight and value of what God is doing internally, we actually look at it, absorb it, and focus on it right. And in the end, we won't lose heart. So Paul's saying, I don't lose heart because I know that God's doing something with this. And look what he calls, even the many times he came on the precipice of death, for our momentary light affliction. Is working out for us an eternal, what does it say? Weight of glory. Far beyond all comparison. (laughs) He says, this internal work is actually creating in me a hunger and thirst for glory. I can see what God is doing. 
You keep looking at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul says, I actually can value eternal things because I can value the renewal that God is doing on the inside. The, inside may, the outside may not look great, but the inside, man, God's doing something. But you have to first see the weight of it. Whatever has weight is what gets all the glory in life. In fact, when you look at the word uh, glory in the Old Testament, the root to the word glory in the Old Testament is the idea of weight, weightiness, right? When something is getting glory in our life, it has the biggest weight in our life. It's kind of like if you take a, a big rock and throw it into a pond. Do you notice all the ripples that come from the big rock when you throw it in a pond, right? Everything responds to it. This is how it works in life. When the weight of who God is and the weight of the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus is thrown into the pond of our life, it creates these waves in our life where we don't freak out because of the glory that's come in our life. We actually embrace it and thank God for it. Now, here's the interesting thing. You see verse 16 through 18? If we don't get verse 16 through 18... We can't embrace chapter 5, verse 1 through chapter through verse 8. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. Go home and read it. We're going to read it now. We already read it. Go home and read it. And if it means nothing, if it falls down, if, if the thought is big deal, then that means that there's something missing internally. That the weight of what God is doing internally through every difficulty in life, you're not, we're not recognizing this is meant to conform us to his image. If you know, if you value what the weight of what's going on internally, it actually helps you to be ready and prepare for future glory. Look in chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that of our earthly tent. By the way, Paul was a tent maker as well. He's a bivocational or marketplace kind of pastor. He says, we know that, uh, by the way, I like this chapter 5, verse 1. For we know. For we know. So he's, by the way, not telling them something new. He's telling them something they already knew about. By the way, if you think to yourself, I can, only, I can only listen to people and sermons and read the Bible um, for something new, I would say, no, actually, we need to rehearse things pretty often, right? He says, so we know. So it's not, it's not wrong to rehearse things that you may have learned before in the past. And, by the, and if you start getting in, you know, to the 40s like me, you're just going to start to remember you've forgotten most of everything you've learned anyways, right? Amen? Only one person knows that. Good. For we know that if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, this tent, this temporary tent of the outer man, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul says, I know that God has a future glory where I will be with him. There will be a glorified body. All things will be as they are and should be. He says in verse 2, for indeed, in this we groan, I groan. He says, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. He says, I'm longing for this day. Every piece of difficulty, because I see the value of it internally, the weight of it, what, how God is using that to renew me, to renew me into his image, to transform me. It, this helps me actually focus on future glory, on the ultimate end of my salvation. It's not just saving me from hell, and it's not just giving me God now, although those are things that salvation gives you. It's also giving you future glory when we will be with him, when we... Take communion here in a little bit. It's not only to remind us of the cross or remind us of the relationship we have with him today. It's also to remind us of future glory. But there is no appreciation for future glory if there first isn't the appreciation for the internal glory that happens. It's, there's no place for it. 
So when you go to work tomorrow and someone does something that's really discouraging and you've worked at that place for 20 years and you're thinking to yourself, how dare they do that to me? I've given my life to them. I've given everything to them. How dare they do that to me? In that moment, you can cry and say that to the Lord. With the next breath, you can go, but God, I know you'll use this to transform me, to expose sin, to expose thankfulness towards you, to prepare me for glory. You'll filter it right, and you won't lose heart. But if you just see what happens tomorrow at work when they don't honor the work you've done, you will then lose all heart in the moment. You will not, you will not work the rest of the day to the glory of God. You will find yourself at short temper with not only your family, but with your coworkers. Everything will just fall apart. You have to have the internal for the external to be right. Now keep looking at verse 3. And so much, he says, as we having put it on will not be found naked. He's, the, the greatest fear that some people have is, and this is, by the way, we shouldn't fear death as Christians, but there is a fear that we have sometimes because we're kind of fearful of what does it look to not be in this body anymore? Right? We, we don't want to be naked. We don't want to not, not have this body. We, this is all we know. There's this unity of the, the outward man and the inward man. And he says, when we get to glory, that's not, glory's not going to be like that. There's going to be a transformed body. I can't tell you all things about it, but I can tell you that it's going to match the rhythm of what we see in the resurrected Christ. I can't tell you exactly what you're going to look like, but I'm going to tell you you're not going to be sick. There's going to be honor and glory to it. You're going to have a greater capacity to enjoy your Savior. I can't tell you how physically fit you'll look or anything of that nature, but I will tell you it'll, it'll be better than you could have ever imagined. You want to read more about it? You can read it in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, um, at this point, some commentators will say things like, by the way, I think it, it's valid. They'll go, he may be talking here about that intermediate state. For instance, you die. And, and Austin actually texted about this this week some. So this, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tension. Like, for instance, have you ever asked yourself, okay, I get it. Someday I'll have a glorified body. Boom, I get it. But what happens if I die before that time, before the Lord returns, in this intermediate state? Am I just going to be like a ghoul floating around heaven, you know, and people are kind of like running from me because, you know. Do y'all ever, has anybody ever thought that? Like, what does it look like during that intermediate time? Now, um, restudying this text, I, I don't think Paul's focusing on any of that aspect because, in 1 Corinthians, he talked, when he really talks about the hope of heaven, he's talking about the very end of it, which is the glorification part. Then he writes the book of Romans after this, and you get to Romans 8, and he's talking about the glorification part. I think when we look at the text, overall, we, we look at even earlier, like in verse 14, he's talking about being raised up with the Lord Jesus, and we're going to be raised up together. I, I see evidence that he's really just focusing on the glorification part, but I will say this, because this question comes up. In the intermediate, before glorification, if I die and I'm with the Lord, like my dad passed away, you know, a couple months ago now, right? Like, what does it look like for my dad? Well, my dad is experiencing blessedness. My dad is experiencing the greatest days he's ever had. But my dad has an even fuller promise coming someday that I have the box of my dad's ashes sitting on my mantle, and someday God's going to do something with those. And, and, he, and just like God can made Adam from the dust, God's going to do something with those and raise those and unite them with the inner man that's in glory right now. And Paul says in Philippians 1.23 that, that, that 
he has this desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That doesn't tell us what that intermediate state is like. It just tells us it's not bad. If you were to look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23, there's this idea of the, it talks about the perfection of that state, right? So it's, it, it's, not, it's not a bad place. But Paul seems to make his thrust and focus more about that in part, that glorification. But I, I wouldn't quibble if you, if you see, because we have great commentators who see the intermediate state talked a little bit in verse, verse, three, but, verse 3 and 4. But let's keep going with the text. He says this, verse 4. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed. He says, we just, there's a, a groaning in this earthly tent, this outer man, this external. We want to be clothed with glory someday. Yes, we have this right perspective on the, on the inside, which helps us to value the right perspective on the outside. But he says, we, we groan. We, we don't want to be unclothed. He says in verse 4, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. By the way, another reason I think he's talking about the resurrection is he uses that same phrasing in 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Now he says in verse 5, Now he who prepares us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a pledge. What's really awesome about the work of the Holy Spirit? The work of the Holy Spirit is daily helping us, Right? to value the weight of what God is trying to do on the inside. As we repent of sin, as we place more faith and trust in him, as we filter everything through what is the one true God said about himself, the Holy Spirit is there helping us. You know, people say sometimes, oh, Nick, I, I've lost hope, I've lost heart. I don't think I can ever get it back. This difficulty has happened. I can't do anything with it. And then my next kind of thought is, have we forgotten about the Holy Spirit? We do have God in us if we're in Christ that he is helping us to make the weight of the glory of God inside of us something that's actually substantial. Now keep looking at the text. He says in verse 6, Therefore, therefore, being always of good courage. Now, once again, if you don't know what's the, the weight of the inside, you can't properly look at the outside. You can't properly anticipate the greatness of future glory. And thus, look in verse 16, he says, As a result of knowing the weight of the inside and having a proper view of future glory, he says in verse 6, Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight, that we are of good courage and prefer rather to be absent from body and be present with the Lord. Notice the word courage used twice. And we're going to talk about more about this next week in verse 6 and 8. But even notice this. Have you ever been afraid to do what God has called you to do? Have you ever been afraid to, like for instance, you might be here today and you're, you know, a, you're a man and you're leading your home and you're kind of thinking, you know what, I want to shepherd my family. And, but man, I'm just afraid they're going to laugh at me <laughs> or mock me or it's going to be, or it's going to be clunky. And man, I want to do that, but I just don't know. And, 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 and you just find yourself not able to kind of pull the cord on that. You want to know why? Because this has to become more weightier. When the internal becomes weighty, not only do you have faith in future glory, not only do you not lose heart, not only do you recognize the work of the Holy Spirit that's helping you do this, but also it gives you courage. It gives you courage to obey God. Question, is there any part of our life where there is not courage to obey the Lord? It's, what's needed is a transformed heart. What's needed is the weight of glory. So as he end the text here, 
What a great reminder of how not to have, how not to lose, lose heart. Have you lost heart today? Worship team, you make your way up here. Have you, have you lost heart today? You find yourself in a kind of a, a low position in life. Could we take an evaluation of, of just, has there been too much put on this, on the external? Have we focused a little bit too much on this? Has this become a little bit too important to the exclusion of this work that God is doing? Man, God, I'm telling you, we're, we, we are outsiders and transformers and something is different that's in us and the rest of society. There is an amazing ability to absorb the difficulties of life that nobody who's not in Christ cannot do. We have something totally different. Would you stand with me and let's pray and go to the Lord? If you're here today and Christ is not your Lord and King, and you know it. You've never asked Him as your Savior. You've never understood your sinfulness and your need, your need to, to trust Him and realize that He's your sin sacrifice. I just want to pray something that I prayed when I was 16. And if you pray this and, you, and, and it's, it comes from an authentic belief, this starts your road to salvation. This starts your road. This is what it went, something like this. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned against you. I've broken your law. I've broken your commands. I know that I deserve judgment. I deserve hell. I deserve the wrath of God. But I know that Jesus came and suffered the wrath of God in my place. Thank you for that. I trust you now. Be my Savior. Be my King. Be my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming into my life. Let me now walk the path of obedience from a renewed heart. God, would you help me? In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, would you tell someone about